Hi, this is Dr. Mercola, and welcome to our Take Control of Your Health podcast, in which we bring you the latest cutting-edge interviews to help you achieve optimal health. This next interview is part of my Best of series, which features some of the most popular interviews with leading health experts. So thank you for listening. Now let's get started with this week's program to help you and your family take control of your health. Hi, this is Dr. Mercola helping you take control of your health. And today we are joined by Dr. Alexander Wunsch from Germany. And he is really a world-class expert, one of the best I know of in photobiology. We're gonna talk about the dangers, the hidden stealth dangers of LED lighting that you most likely are not aware of. So welcome, and thank you for joining us today, Dr. Wunsch. Hi, Dr. McCullough. Can you describe at, at a biological level what happens when we're exposed to these wavelengths from incandescent bulbs or solar radiation from, you know, from the, the near infrared and how it helps restructure our, at a molecular basis our mitochondria and what happens in the retina and uh, in not only and the other light source or source I was neglected to mention was infrared saunas. And we can have a discussion on that too. Mm -hmm. So the, the first question we have to ask is, um, what molecules are we addressing or what are the so-called in, in photobiology you call these molecules chromophores um, these are molecules uh, which are capable of absorbing exactly the wavelength mm, you are mm, emitting with with the light source and mm, the first aspect is that we have to consider that there is um, so-called optical tissue window, which ranges from 600 nanometers to 1,400 nanometers. So it's almost completely covered by the infrared A part of the spectrum. And this optical um, tissue window um, allows the radiation to penetrate deeply into the tissue. And when I say deeply, I'm not talking about a millimeter or two. I'm talking, I'm talking about several centimeters or let's say at least an inch or even more. And um, the chromophores in the tissue which absorb the light energy are um, a part of, of these chromophores um, is found in the mitochondria. And the other part are the water molecules, which are specifically activated, not in terms of heat radiation, of chaotic um, molecular movement. The water molecules are specifically addressed, uh, for example, in, in the realm of membranes, in the exclusion zone, which um, covers like, like a sheet, like, like a cover, um, the microanatomical structures within the cells. So um, talking about the mitochondria first, here we have a specific molecule which is called cytochrome C oxidase. And this molecule is involved in the energy production within the mitochondria. Uh, energy for cells means adenosine triphosphate, 
which is the end product of the phosphorylation of the energy production. And this is the fuel our, our cells need for almost anything, uh, for motion, for, for motility, for um, transporting of ions, for synthesizing um, products, for metabolism. So the ATP production, if it would stop, now at the moment I could survive for another 12 or 15 seconds. So our, my body produces about 85 kilograms of ATP in 24 hours. Okay, let's stop there because <clears throat> I've watched many of your videos in English. You have many more in, in German. And I can tell you that you provide so much information in your videos that I have to watch them three, four, five times because, you know, you just state things as facts, which is fine. It's just your presentation style. But that is a phenomenally important statement. I'm not going to let that escape and, and just people not appreciate what that is. But 85 kilograms or that's your body weight. We produce in Whatever we weigh in pounds or kilograms, we produce that amount in, in ATP. It's just an extraordinary statistic that most people are clueless about. It's a really important concept. So, and, and the other thing you mentioned is that, yes, for what we literally we could last about 15 seconds without ATP. 15 seconds. Now, we can go four minutes. Some people can go maybe eight or 10 minutes without oxygen. We can go a few days without water. We can go for months without food, but we 15 seconds without ATP. That's an yeah. important thing. That's why we want to focus on this because light is such an important, misunderstood part of the equation for energy production, specifically at the mitochondrial ATP level. So I, I'm sorry for interrupting you, but I, I just wanted to emphasize no, no, that was, because it, it was, was really important. It was definitely important to highlight this. Um, because the, the cytochrome C oxidase, which is this absorbing molecule, is the last step before um, the ATP is finally produced in the mitochondria. And here we have this um, tipping point where light uh, in, a, in a wavelength range between 570 nanometers and 850 nanometers is able to boost the energy production, especially in cells where the energy production is de depleted. So um, here we have one important mechanism where this long wavelength part of the spectrum where the near infrared light is bolstering the energy situation in our mitochondria. And we know today that many signs of aging, for example, they really are the consequence of um, hampered mitochondrial uh, functioning. And so we have a very interesting and still soft tool to enhance the energy status in our cells, in the mitochondria, in our cells, and not only on the surface, but also in the depth uh, regions and areas of the tissue. And this is one important aspect. And there are hundreds of um, papers published on, on these uh, positive effects. You can um, 
you can see it in, for example, wound healing. <laughs> you can see it in anti-aging procedures. And there is, um, there are many applications developed in the meantime where we use this, this um, optical tissue window and we shine through this optical tissue window light in a range which cannot be found in standard um, general lighting appliances like LEDs or fluorescent lamps. So the, the cytochrome C oxidase is responsible for an increased production of ATP. And this means in turn that a cell which has a better energy supply is definitely able to perform better. So the liver, liver cell with more ATP will be able to detoxify the body much better. The fibroblasts in the skin will be able to synthesize more collagen fibers and so on and so on. So this is yeah. one important uh, brick in the wall. Maybe only one third, one third, a measly third of our energy that we produce and also why it does with ATP comes from the food that we eat, the electrons that are transferred from the food, the primarily the fats and the carbohydrates that ultimately transferred to elect to oxygen and generate that ATP. But only one third of the energy comes in. The rest two thirds or so comes from this light exposure. And if you're exposed to LED lights, as you just mentioned, but again, people, it may go over people's heads. The LEDs, don't have the, that frequency from 500 to, I believe, 800 nanometers of wavelength, which is the, the near infrared primarily, that help that that hit the cytochrome C oxidase and and generate the energy of the ATP. So, can you expand on that? Because I think virtually no one, no one has this appreciation. Yeah, I think we have to differentiate between uh, the metabolically used um, energy, which definitely comes from food uh, intake, but there is uh, a thermo thermodynamic aspect um, to it as well. And when you think about the body temperature, I don't, I don't know how, how much it is in Fahrenheit, but in Celsius, um, I can tell you in Celsius, it's 37 degrees. And mm -hmm. I can tell you in Kelvin, this is 310 Kelvin to keep up this body temperature um, is not only the result of burning carbohydrates in the mitochondria using the you, oxygen. Just for a moment, the, the 37 degrees centigrade or Celsius that you mentioned is, is basically yeah. body temperature, which is 98.6 yeah. degrees Fahrenheit, 98.6. Yeah. 90.6? 98.6. 98.6. Okay, so this I have to learn for the Americans. No, I mean, yeah, the Americans. I mean, dumb Americans are still on the, the, the imperial measurement system for the most part, but, uh, you know, the rest of the world is on Celsius, so. So to maintain this, this body temperature um, is not only the result of, of um, energy production in the mitochondria, the heat in our body comes uh, in part from, um, from the mitochondria, but the major part comes from um, longer wavelengths in the infrared range. 
and comes from near infrared, for example, because the near infrared radiation in sunlight is very present in incandescent lamp light as well. This radiation, this energy, this photonic energy is able to even pass through our clothing um, because this is one important property of infrared radiation that it just goes deep and it goes through like the terahertz uh, radiation at the airport scanners and, and so on. And um, the radiation can enter the body and then will be transformed into longer wavelengths in the infrared part. And they are very important for supporting the, the temperature um, level or, or the, the um, yeah, the thermal uh, energy level of our body, which is for all the mammals a very crucial aspect. So a lot of energy comes in, in, for, in the form of radiation, and this is supporting our uh, thermal, thermal balance, more or less. The light emitted from an LED is not, has not the same quality mm, you would expect from a natural light source. A natural light source normally is a black body radiator which gives off all kinds of wavelengths in a more or less continuous manner. And the LEDs we have nowadays are fluorescent lamps. They consist of a blue LED, a driver LED, and a fluorescent um, sheet which covers the blue LED and transforms a part of the blue light into longer wavelengths, yellowish light. And the yellowish light from the, um, from, from the fluorescent layer combines together with the residual blue light to a kind of whitish light, which consists um, of a, a large portion of aggressive blue light. Blue has the highest energy in the visible part of the spectrum and causes or produces, induces the production of reactive oxygen species of oxidative stress. So the blue light causes oxidative stress in the tissue and this stress has to be counteracted. We need even more regeneration from blue light, but the regenerative part of the spectrum is not found in the blue, in the short wavelength part, it's found in the long wavelength part, in the red and the near infrared. So tissue regeneration and tissue repair results from the wavelengths which are not present in an LED spectrum. So we have increased stress on the short wavelength part and we have reduced regeneration and repair on the long wavelength part. And this is, this is the main problem that the, uh, the scissors come apart in a way. Our organism is not uh, accommodated to because we don't have this kind of light quality in nature. Are there, and this is, uh, many people have this question, you can get, uh, uh, I guess, cool white, which is the, the high blue light LEDs, which are bright, bright white, versus the, uh, the warm white LEDs. And I'm wondering if you 
can um, if if these these if there are types of LEDs that do have some of the red and the near infrared in them, or they just don't exist, or are there, I, another version of this question: Are there any healthy LEDs? Or, well, um, there's no easy answer to that. <laughs> like most because, good questions. Because when when you bought an, an incandescent lamp, you you exactly knew everything about the spectral distribution, for example. You knew uh, that after a thousand hours it would uh, it would fail, start it would break, uh, stop functioning. And do you, do you know the LED, there's a, the LED world. Let me just say, let me just interrupt you for a moment on this because there's an interesting component because everyone knows that that the old incandescent bulbs fail at one thousand hours. That folks is by design. There's a movie out there, a documentary Plan talks about plant obsolescence. Let's plan. Yeah. These bulbs could last a hundred years continuously if they designed it that way. It's designed to fail yeah. at a thousand hours. So I'm sorry you for interrupting, but I just thought it was an interesting tangent. Um, with with the LEDs, everything is different because um, there are LEDs outside there where you have high portions of blue in a warm um, appearing light uh, because the blue is masked by high amounts of yellow and orange. Um, there are also LEDs available with uh, a lower portion in the blue, which are very close to the spectral distribution of an incandescent lamp with regard to the bluish part of the spectrum. Um, it is impossible to tell without measurement. And this is the problem. Uh, with an incandescent lamp, you knew, you knew what you would get. And with an LED, um, the layman is not able to tell if it's um, a tailored spectrum where you have the blue part only masked by excessive parts of other spectral regions. If you're exposed to LED light and there's lots of biological full spectrum sunlight through the windows, which is a whole other issue too that we can talk about because sunlight outside and through the windows is two different animals. But if you have that as a, as a component, it's not as biologically dangerous because I, I believe that that compensates, especially as with the higher frequencies in, in, the, in the sunlight. But it becomes really dangerous at night. So the, from the perspective is, you know, I haven't changed out all my lights back to incandescent because they're such energy hogs and really the only ones that I use at night because you know my ho I have a big house and there's lots of lights and people contractors and stuff come over all the time and they leave lights on all the time and that would be crazy I mean the it's just a magnificent uh, an extraordinary waste of energy if they did that but I never use these lights so I just leave them in there but the ones you use all the time that you really 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 this is the take-home message of this presentation is you've got to switch back to incandescence and not just any incandescence these are incandescents that are clear transparent outer bulb not the ones that are coated with the white to give a cool white light because that's gonna you know you, do, you don't want that you want the 2700 degree kelvin incandescent thermal a uh, thermal analog energy source of that light it's the only light it use at night now personally it's the only light source i use after the sunset and and, every, and even then once the sun goes down i put on my blue blockers and i neglected to keep keep them here now but if because it's the middle of the day i wouldn't put them on but i call them reverse sunglasses 
And I don't care what company you get them, get whatever. You can get them as under $10 you can get spend $100 for them, get whatever you like. But the moment the sun goes down, these, these blue blockers go on, and even if there's incandescent sources. So that's my summary, and I'm wondering if you could expand and, and really uh, amplify those comments. Yeah, <clears throat> the, um, it is definitely a good idea to um, keep off, keep away the, the short wavelengths in the evening, so after sunset, as you said. Um, and it's also a good idea not to um, to intoxicate your environment with too much light. Uh, we know in the meantime that artificial light levels uh, at night are have reached um, insane intensities and so um, the candle the intensity of a candle for example is absolutely mm, sufficient for uh, orientation and if you have to read um, in the evening or probably even at night time. Uh, my, my personal favorite uh, light source for reading tasks um, is a low voltage incandescent halogen lamp, which is operated on a DC transformer. So direct current will eliminate all the dirty electricity and it will eliminate all the flicker. And there are, mm, for example, transformers available where you can adjust the output between six volts and 12 volts. Um, and as long as it's direct current, there is no flicker, there is no dirty electricity, and you are able to dim the halogen lamp to um, to a color temperature which is comparable to candlelight even. So this is the softest, the healthiest electric light you can get at the moment. The light source with the highest efficiency, energy oh. efficiency okay. in a range from 400 nanometers to 1400 oh. nanometers. Would be incandescent. Halogen, halogen, halogen yeah. incandescent yeah. lamp. Yeah, and, and then a lot of, like many, many, Many people, I didn't know this either until you explained it to me, that halogen is an incandescent lamp. It's, a, it it's, is, an, yeah. it's, a, it's an analog thermal, thermal light source. It's not digital. Yes, and it, it is uh, up to 100% more energy efficient compared to the standard incandescent lamp. So you have better energy use. You have less energy waste. And if you take into account the near-infrared radiation, and if you decide for your eyes, for example, for light hygiene of your retina, for your retina, that you want to have these long wavelengths um, in addition to the visible part, then the halogen, the low-voltage halogen lamp is the best, and it reaches 4,000, 5,000, and in a dimmed state, even 10,000 hours of uh, of lamp life. Is that a, a halogen, the AC halogen, or DC, only with DC? Um, it is only with, with DC because the, the AC halogen, um, no, mm, we only can 
talk about high voltage and low voltage. Okay. Because you can operate the um, the incandescent lamp can be operated on AC as well as on DC. But uh, if you operate the low voltage incandescent lamp on DC, uh, you have zero dirty electricity. If you operate it on AC, you have 20 times more dirty electricity compared to the AC high voltage one, for, ex for example. Okay. So it's a, it's a little bit complicated. Uh, it's a physicist stuff. But um, AC, alternating current, always produces dirty electricity. And in the low voltage ones, you need much more um, amperage. Um, so the, it's, it's the current and the other uh, factor uh, in, in... Resistance? It, no, not the, the resistance, current, and the volt and the ampere. Okay. So, and the ampere value um, raises at a factor of 10 if you are working with AC on low voltage. So the best is low voltage uh, halogen lamps mm -hmm. with DC because those are the ones which reach up to 5,000 and even more uh, hours of, of um, lamp life. Okay, so that, that gives us a pretty broad <clears throat> picture of some practical information we can now use to light ourselves at night. I mean, ideally, this is why our ancestors were so much healthier. Not only did they have access to better food, typically, that wasn't processed and commercialized, but they had better biological, healthy, analog uh, light sources that were therm thermally based, not digitally digitally based. So that would be the best. Now, the other danger that most of us are exposed to pretty much every waking hour is our devices, our computer screens, our tablets, our phones. So <clears throat> they're almost all LED based and there's there's a lot of components here. So I, I use an ebook reader on, on the beach. It, it's a Kindle, the ink reader. And uh, you can turn it all, it hasn't even, even though it has an LED black light, backlight that you could use at night, you can turn it all the way off and just look at sunlight, which was reflected. And I think that's really the ideal type of computer monitor you can use. And there's, they are made, I'm in the process now of trying to find one. But, but in the meantime, I just recently purchased a notebook that's an OLED screen, OLED, and not an LED monitor. So it's really interesting because I, I'm a firm believer that you should use Flux on your, on your monitor, not just at night. And the default setting for that is just to come on at sunset. And yes, that's helpful. It's probably the time it's most important, but I keep it on all the time. There's no way I want to expose myself to that type of bright intensity light. But even though I can change the color temperature, it's still, it's this digital pulse faking out my biology. And, you know, so I want you to talk about the difference between OLED, LEDs, e-ink, and uh, flux. And, and, and also, if we are outside and we have the LED or OLED screen and we've got the flux on, what I find personally is that I don't need to keep it all the way down to 2,700 degrees. I can essentially deactivate flux and put it up to 6,500 degrees if I need more light because I got all this light coming in that sort of drowns out that monitor. And I wonder if that's biologically healthy. healthy. So a lot of stuff at you, but it's important, important questions. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Talk, talking about the, um, our digital screens, 
Um, I prefer personally to reduce the color temperature, uh, the correlated color temperature, um, also during the daytime uh, for my notebook. And as you already said, the, the e-ink would be a perfect solution because in this case you can exactly control the quality uh, of the incident light and uh, by that you control the quality of the light which um, will be reflected by the e-ink display. The problem is that for motion pictures it's just too slow. Mm -hmm. uh, it's good for reading tasks but it's not good for watching videos or so. Um, the, the Aflux is one option you have. It depends a bit on the quality of your screen and on the settings you are using. If it's really comparable with regard to effective extinction of the blue light component to what you could achieve with screen blue light protection glasses because they allow to eliminate the short wavelengths even better. The OLED technology, I'm not sure if, if the color is really stable in, in every angle you can look at the display. But uh, definitely if you have a screen technology where black is really black, um, then you have less radiation coming to your eyes. And the, the OLED technology is able to provide that, this. So the <clears throat> high contrast between black and white, so all the black areas in a, in a TFT screen, in a standard screen, are not really black. They are also emitting radiation, also emitting shortwave radiation. And the OLED screen only emits where you see light. And where there is black on the screen, there is no light. So this might be preferable as okay. long as you have no problems with the, with the um, looking angle. Yeah, it, it, it's magnificent. I really love my new notebook. And what I've noticed, I put the compare the notebook side by side in the same settings outside. And I'll put efflux on both at 2700 degrees Kelvin, which is an advanced setting that you have to go. It's in the upper right hand corner. It doesn't it only goes down to 3500 normally, which is a color temperature of halogen. Mm -hmm. So you have to go to 2700 and do it to advance setting. But once you do that, <coughs> Dr. Voynch, it's amazing. The OLED is actually the same color you would see with putting on the blue blue blockers, and the the LED conventional notebook is like it's, you can tell it's like a, the blue it's blue light. You can see it night as day when you compare it. It looks orange when you have it by itself, but when you compare it to an OLED, there's a dramatic difference. And, mm -hmm. and I'm all, also wondering, do you do you minimize the digital impact on the cell biology that you were, were referring to earlier with an OLED versus an LED? Oh, well, this depends again on the technology of dimming, um, because you can, I, I, I bet that you can get uh, OLED 
displays with the pulse width modulation dimming technology and you can also get OLED screens with an improved uh, dimming technology where you have reduced flicker or even eliminated flicker activity. So these are the factors uh, you would have to look at. As I mentioned at the beginning, and if it's not obvious by now, you are just a wealth of information in this area. And we're definitely going to have you on multiple times to expand on this because there's so much information that people need to, to uh, know to, to absolutely uh, have a better understanding of it. And, and what I really love about some of your videos, and we're going to have links to those videos, the English ones, is that... Uh, you know, you talk about this, you put this in a historical framework, which is just so magnificent because once you understand the historical framework, you can under, you can start to begin to develop a deeper appreciation of how we veered on this path toward literally sabotaging ourselves with what we think is, is useful technology, but it has this enormous downstream biological side effects that we're uh, exposing ourselves to. And, if, and with knowledge, we can proactively prevent most of this. But I think that to, to, to summarize this, because we know where time is kind of wrapping up, we really need to limit our exposure to this blue light. And it's not, not, not just at night. It's all day long. So that's why you want to avoid these exposures. It's really important that you do that. And, and get the incandescent lights at night. Blue blockers, remember it's so simple. As soon as sunset, I don't think you disagree with this, you put on those blue blockers, nothing beats it. Don't take them a loss much. For whatever reason, it's an emergency, you have, to, you have to read something really carefully. But I mean, it's just, you're sabotaging yourself when you don't. And you know, you're, you're decreasing, increasing your reactive oxygen species in your retina, uh, your retinal pigmented epithelium, reducing your production of melatonin, not only in the, the pineal gland, but also in your, your retina and other, other tissues. So it's just so critical. And we didn't even have, we never even touched on the other hormonal components. That's a whole other interview. I'm sure this is gonna help so many people because again, age-related macular degeneration is a serious, serious issue. And I'm telling you, I just hope and pray to God that we can spread this message far and wide, share this video with every one of your friends and family because they need to know. Otherwise, we are going to have, a, we already have an epidemic of obesity. We have an epidemic of heart disease, cancer, Alzheimer's, and we're going to have an epidemic of blindness unless we can get ourselves away from these chronic, blue, unopposed, blue, uh, digital light sources, especially at night. So you've got to spread this message far and wide if you if you if we want to prevent this blindness epidemic. That's not just like cigarettes. It's not going to happen tomorrow, next week, next month, next year. It's this chronic exposure. We need decades of this exposure before we're going to see it. And we've only we for most of us, it's less than ten years that we've had this exposure. We're not going to see it for a while. But it doesn't diminish the danger or the damage any any less. So please share this message far and wide. And we are definitely having you back on again. Dr. Wunsch, because you've got so much incredible information to share, and there's going to be a lot of questions on this too. So thanks so much. Thank, thank you very much, Dr. McCullough.